Father Santiago. It's just so beautiful to say, so right to say. And yesterday was such a beautiful testament to the love that everyone has for you. Yes, there are many people who did not know you, but there are many people who do. And like you mentioned as well too, that witness and testimony as well, their, their love for the church, for the priesthood. I'm so honored to be here today to preach at your first Mass. And as I reflect upon our relationship, we go back, way back. We go back 10 years. You know, today, I, I met him when he was in university. And today, he has this nice, priestly comb over hair. <laughs> <clears throat> but I met him 10 years ago when he had this wild, scraggly soccer hair. <laughs> and I also remember seeing, remember distinctly his clothing. He was wearing, I feel like, a soccer tracksuit. And I was like, wow, this guy looks like he's ready to play soccer at any time. <laughs> and of course, I wouldn't say the priesthood wasn't the last thing on his mind, but it, at that point in his life, it probably wasn't the first thing on his mind either. And it was a beautiful journey to be with him as he came back to the faith, as he grew in his love for God. And eventually, he heard the call to the priesthood. And so over the years, I heard rumblings that Santi was going to join the seminary. And so one year, we went to Rise Up. I went to Rise Up, and I had, I had decided to come back to the seminary after many years. And after talking to Father Cristino, he said, you should, uh, you should talk to Santi. And then I thought to myself, talk to Santi? You know, there's a thousand people in this hotel. How am I going to find him? So I, I went to the washroom, and then I was washing my hands, and I said, you know what? Lord, if you really want me to talk to Santi, you're going to have to bring him to me. <laughs> so then I wash my hands, I dry my hands, and then I walk out, and literally the first person I see <laughs> as I come out of the washroom is Santiago Torres. <laughs> so I was like, wow, that was fast. <laughs> okay, Lord, let's do it. So then we proceeded to have a one-hour conversation about the priesthood outside of the washroom. <laughs> and it was so beautiful just to, to speak of my journey, to hear of his journey, and I could just see the relief on his shoulders that he felt like he wasn't alone. And it's been great accompanying you. You've been on many great adventures, on road trips, snowboarding trips, camping. Providence has brought us together at that moment and in our lives. And even yesterday, Providence ordained it that his ordination was also on my birthday yesterday. <laughs> and what a great gift to receive on my birthday. But this great gift is not just for me, but for the church, and for the diocese. And so if Providence has bonded us together in brotherhood, my brother, let us do something amazing in this diocese. 
Let us be saints. G.K. Chesterton wrote that the world is converted by the saint who contradicts it the most. And as priests, we are one of the ultimate signs of contradictions by our obedience of living our lives in such a way that we are given a mission by our bishop, living a life of celibacy to point that there is a future marriage that we all long for, we are all made for. But in order to strive for this priestly sanctity, we need to recall our identity. As Father Christina would say, we need to remember who we are. Because to be a saint is to be the best version of ourselves, to be the person God has called us to be. And so to be a saint as a priest, we need to remember our identity. Not, not only has the world forgotten, even Catholics and even ourselves as priests can be tempted to forget our identity. You see, the priest is more than his human gifts, although very good, and Santi has very many human gifts as well. During his internship, I was so surprised at his ability to connect with people. As you know, Santi is very genuine and is able to connect with people very naturally. But he had his internship during COVID. And as I was speaking to him, I was surprised at how many people he was able to connect with during that difficult time. And he speaks to this great human gift. And although this, these human gifts we have are good and they are the instruments in which God can use to convey grace, we can be tempted to associate the gift of the priesthood with the human gifts of the priest. And we forget that the priest himself, in his being, in his identity, is a gift. Pope Benedict, in his letter to priests, to inaugurate the year of the priests, he turned to one of the greatest priests, St. Jean-Marie Vianney. And St. Jean-Marie Vianney, he knew this gift of the priesthood. He said, oh, how great is the priest if he realized what he is. He would die. St. Jean-Marie knew the beauty and the gift of the priesthood. And he sums it very succinctly. He says, the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. The priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. He knew that so well. He knew it so deeply in his own life. You know, there was a survey by other priests who didn't like him because he was becoming so popular. They wrote a letter saying, this man is not qualified to be a priest. And so they sent it around to all his brother priests. And eventually this letter actually got to St. Jean-Marie Vianney. And when he got the letter, he read it and he signed it himself. <laughs> because he knew that his priesthood consisted more and in his own human gifts, although very good. He knew that his priesthood consisted in being the love of the heart of Jesus. And so in order for us to be saints, to be priestly saints for our diocese, we need to remember this core. In fact, one day we pray that you can say, Father Santiago is the love of the heart of Jesus. 
This highlights the gift that you've received, but it also highlights the responsibility entrusted to you. And so how do we become the love of the heart of Jesus? We do that by reflecting on Jesus' love. What is on the forefront of his mind and therefore of his heart? And we get a glimpse of that insight in our gospel today. With the finding of the child Jesus. Jesus is going to Jerusalem, this Passover feast, this pilgrim feast, which you're required to go as men. And Jesus decided as well to go. And they traveled in a group and they celebrated the Passover. And as we hear, the parents believe that he was traveling with the group. And he was lost for three days, a foreshadowing of his death and therefore his resurrection. And when they finally found him, they came to him and said, you know, son, why you've done this to us? You've created such anxiety in us. But Jesus doesn't say, you know, sorry, mom, I, I did that. Or, no, I thought you were still here. He said, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? This expresses his deep awareness of his mission that was already given to him. And he's saying to his parents, don't you know that this is where I'm supposed to be? But at the same time too, he's also saying to his parents with this phrase that this is my deepest desire, even as a child, to be in my father's house. This is, don't you know that this is where I'm supposed to be? This desire consumed him his whole life. He says, I came to bring fire upon the earth and how it were blazing already. Jesus desired to inspire and to awaken this fire for the love of the Father in the hearts of everyone. He always spoke of the house of the Father. He says, in my Father's house there are many rooms. And he says, before his passion, I do whatever the Father tells me because I love him. The love of the heart of Jesus is his Father. And so, to be the love of the heart of Jesus, we must love the love of the heart of Jesus. We must love the Father because we become what we love. And so when we love the Father, we become the love of the heart of Jesus. And so I pray, my brother, that your prayer may always be at the heart of your ministry. Even though there are so many good things that we're called to do and we can be pulled in so many directions, we're called to come before prayer in God, before our God who is a consuming fire. And it is there that you will become the love of the heart of Jesus by loving the love of Jesus, which is the Father. And so we become and discover the love of the heart of Jesus so that we can lead others to this love. This union with God is aptly described by St. John of the Cross as the ascent of Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, as you know, biblically is this place of battle and struggle against the prophets of Baal, but also of this place of encounter with the power of God, with the fire of God. And of course, in order to encounter him, there needs to be the struggle, this battle. And there is a path of purification. It is difficult. But sometimes we can forget 
that this journey is not just one of struggle, that in ascending the mountain, there is a treasure we desire to seek. You know, Santiago, Father Santiago and I, we're, we love ascending mountains. He's very good at ascending mountains. He's like a pack horse. <laughs> we go backcountry camping all the time, every year. And if you ever go backcountry camping with him, I would say so there are three essential things you need to bring with yourself. The first is candy and chips. <laughs> you know, I'm carrying a mask kit and, you know, the cooker. Science is carrying 10 pounds of candy. <laughs> but it's very important, of course. The second is that there needs to be glacier water. In fact, the colder, the better because he loves to run into that water. You know, I can barely hold a Slurpee, <laughs> let alone jump into this freezing water. But Father Santiago, he's just in there, he's just swimming around, like it's his natural habitat. And then the third essential thing is at the end of the hike, there needs to be celebratory chicken nuggets. It's actually some of the things that we, it motivates us. We say, we say uh, as we're tired and the last two kilometers, we say, Kira's nuggets, which means we, I think it means we want nuggets, something like that, it's Spanish. <laughs> but I would say the one most essential thing as we ascend this mountain and that we look for in every trip is beauty, beauty. You see, it doesn't make sense to do this trip without beauty, to carry a 50-pound bag uphill in 30-degree weather, going through a horde of mosquitoes. It doesn't make sense. But it does make sense if we're going to the base of Mount Robson to see giant Berg Lake Glacier dipping itself into the deep blue Berg Lake but the beautiful Tonkin Valley, where we are surrounded by the majestic mountains, or seeing the mighty Mount Assiniboine reflected perfectly in the pristine lake. Beauty is not only the goal, but it is the engine that powers us to achieve it. Built within the desire for beauty is the power to achieve it. And so in uniting yourself with the love of the heart of Jesus, Santiago, we discover the beauty of the Father, the beauty that Jesus wants us to see and to know. And I know you know this because you have left much. You left country, family. You have left a career in engineering, a potential future family. And you know that you will receive a hundredfold, and God cannot be outdone in generosity, and I can truly testify to that. But I know that you've left all of that because you discovered a treasure hidden in the field, the pearl of great price, something worth giving everything for. And that is the beauty of the Father. And that is the beauty that has moved you, that has called you, that has brought you here today. And that is the beauty that we are leading our people to. And so my dear brother, on this memorial of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the mother of priests, 
We pray that she will make us saints, our brother priests. She who literally fashioned the sacred heart of our Lord, we pray that she may fashion our hearts as well so that we may be consumed by this love for the Father and know deeply the mystery of His beauty so that we may truly be the love of the heart of Jesus.